It's not another Bills podcast with John Corzilius. How do you usually cope with these Bills losses? Because I don't, I don't know about you. I myself usually go through some variant of the seven stages of grieving, where you basically start with anger and depression, and then you end up coping and bargaining, and, and eventually get to this place where you can sit and do a podcast. I guess. Brandon Habermas. Guess what, buddy? You're not going to earn it today. Go back home. You're not going to get it today because Josh is going to come out and kill you. I'm sorry. I'm not murderous. I'm not a murderer. I'm Pat Caprio. Maybe there's a negative reaction from the TV 12 formula. I mean, the dude's eating like soy pills every day. Even in that Subway commercial, he's like, I can't eat it. It looks so good, but I can't eat it. But come on, Tom. You can eat a fucking Subway sandwich. Happy Victory Tuesday, boys. We're a little Hell bit yeah. late on this one, but... Hey, we got Monday Night Football underneath our belts if we learned anything from that, which we didn't. So Tuesday's the good day to, you know, soak it all in and just sit there and be like, okay, how many more days until we get to see Josh Allen again? Yeah. I'm so glad we're at a place like that again because, you know, he's he's had that week. You know, he was 2020 Josh. We just can't wait to see him next week now. We're not sitting here talking about, oh, is he going to be up to snuff this week? Is he going to be as good as he was last year? It's like, no, I... We're, he's going to carve up the Texans. Like, I I want another, you know, blowout victory where I can chillax in the third quarter, you know, and not worry about anything. I love it. I agree, man. It's always nice, you know. You're taking that test and you just cross off a couple of the uh, easy multiple choice questions. You know, we had that first question of the test. We thought a little bit too hard about it, and you know, used our deductive reasoning skills and picked the wrong answer. But I'm feeling good about the. Uh, you know, I guess it would be the next 15 questions on the test. Well, if you look at, you know, to continue the analogy here, Pat, as our education backgrounds enable us to do so. Uh, you all are on your own for that one. The test answers, the test <laughs> answers seem to be pretty easy coming up. I mean, when we look at the schedule, not to be, you know, I'm always the ride or die peak and valley kind of guy. But when's the next hard game? The Titans, Ch- Tennessee. Titans. And then what? After that, we have a string. Of, we have a string of quarterbacks that are not elite. We have Mahomes, and we have Tannehill. Mahomes maybe. Is elite. Yeah, yeah. But after that, <laughs> and then it's like Brady in December. So you know, not to look ahead, but yeah, a lot of backups, a lot of rookies. Yeah, not to get too ahead of our, ourselves here, but I think that one of the big lessons that's going to be learned uh, from last year, um, hopefully getting a bye week as well. But when it comes to resting starters. I think that last year, I mean, how long did Josh stay in that last game? And was that really necessary? I mean, he was going for the passing records and, you know, that was great. And he he was fine. So there was really no, nothing lost on Josh. But there are other players that we heard about after the fact. Cole Beasley got injured in the Patriots game. In a part of the game where he probably didn't need to be in the game because they were already blowing him out. And also Diggs was nursing some kind of leg injury, I believe, too who was also in in the game later than he needed to be, if, if that makes sense. So I wonder if they get a little bit more cautious about that. Not to mention the Bills' backups this year are even better than last year. So so anyway, looking at, um, looking at the last few games on the schedule, we've got Patriots, Falcons, Jets. I mean, I, I don't think the division is going to be in play by the time that the Bills play the Patriots December 26th. You know, or those last two games, honestly, it's it should be Mitchie Biscuits and and the practice squad playing those games. 
Yeah, dude, Mitch had some wheels, dude. At the end of that game, man, he, he gazelle like. Did you see he had more fantasy points than Justin Fields? <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, dude, that poor guy. Ineptitude of coaching just made me think about how Josh was brought into this league. And you can say whatever you want about Nathan Peterman and that whole fiasco, but we are blessed to have the development around Josh the way that we have. And the, the scouting staff that brings in talent that fits his play style, that calls plays. What did I see? There was zero motion before the line of scrimmage in the Bears game. And they ran like the lowest percentage of play action plays that have ever been ran as a Chicago Bears team. What coach does that unless they're intentionally trying to sabotage their own player or trying to sit here and say, yeah, I'm right. I should have kept Andy Dalton in the game. Like, like who does that? And we, we are lucky to not be that franchise for once. And I'm just glad that we're here. You could almost say that if the Bears had drafted Patrick Mahomes instead of Mitchell Trubisky with that pick, that... Who knows? Maybe Mahomes is the Bills' backup right now. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, no, that's so true, though. That's. Can you? Do you know who tweeted that? I'd, I'd like no, to I don't credit know. that. I don't know who oh, that. Yeah. Johnny Corzilius takes credit on the podcast. Oh God, no! I'm not taking <laughs> credit for anything. I haven't had a good original idea in my entire life. But I agree with you guys. I mean, even I mean, granted, six for twenty is terrible, and I think a lot of that is on him. But I mean, dude got sacked nine times. Miles Garrett just got an extra however much he wants on his next contract. <laughs> Fun fact um, about that also, that matchup was with Miles Garrett against Jason Peters, former Buffalo Bill Hall of Fame left tackle. But after sack like four, do you say as a coach, maybe this isn't working right now. But no, you <laughs> let him go in six sacks. Sorry. Oh, man. I think it was nine sacks on the game, man. Honestly. You can bleep that out. Yeah. <laughs> But, Dude, I, mean, I know, but it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how that man can be employed still. Yeah. You know, NFL is like any union. Experience hours get you paid. Um, but no, nah, man, I mean, and it's like, if the kid's out there, let him air it out, man. Even Taylor Heineke threw the ball 25 times. Like, you know, I can't think of a lot of teams that have won, won throwing the ball 20 times. You do that when you don't have faith in your quarterback. But I mean, I guess the converse is you could also have a Zach Wilson and he just starts throwing it to the wrong team. <laughs> At least they're letting him mess up, though, right? I, th- I see a lot of Manziel and Zach Wilson. I hope he gets his, his crap together. The, the only thing I will say out of all those rookies, the one thing I respect about Zach Wilson is on two of those four interceptions, he made the tackle in the Patriots game. And that's, you know what I mean? That's a, that's a hustle play. I respect that. And he's a little dude. One thing I'll say that made me... I literally lost a lot of respect for this guy, and now I understand why on draft night last year, Dabo Sweeney said Deshaun Watson was the best quarterback he ever had. Dude, when Trevor Lawrence threw that interception, he had the angle on the guy, and he just dogged it. He didn't even want to make a tackle. Like, I don't care if you're a seventh-round pick or the first pick overall. Any other player on that damn team is going to take the angle and hit that guy, and he was he was dogging it. It was like rem- reminiscent of Cam Newton, uh leaving that fumble on the ground. Yeah. I have never reacted so badly to a play that I watched until I saw that Cam Newton play. Like I would never, I would have caught him on the spot for doing that shit in the Super Bowl. Oh my God. Dude, I'm fired up just thinking about it. He looked at the ball. It was right there. They could have drove down the field to beat a Peyton Manning led 
team to get a Super Bowl in Carolina. And there Carolina. weren't a lot of points scored in that game either. I think there was like 14, maybe 15 total points scored. Like. I just saw I just saw the clip the other day. I was looking at it. The Panthers had the ball with like three minutes to go. They were down one touchdown. I think it was 24-17. And they had the ball at the Broncos, like what, 35-yard line when the fumble happened. And he just sat there and oh, cut him. No. He does not deserve to be on a member of that team when you have your teammates diving at the pile, your linemen are diving at the pile. Everybody here is built to carry you, and you can't reach in there and get a ball that you fumbled, man. Oh. Now, now, our boy Josh Allen in, in Dallas picked that ball up and ran it a yard, ran over two people in the process. So I'm saying, so. there's a difference that in when when people look, you know, in the world, and it's like, why is this not coming to me? Why? Why am I not being successful in my day-to-day life? It's because you don't pick up the damn ball and move it forward. You're scared to pick up the ball like Cam Newton was scared and he held that team back. Josh Allen's a a championship caliber player. He's got a championship caliber mind and drive, and that's why I'm glad that we have him. Stay tuned for our additional Thursday segment, Motivational Brandon. Dude, I... Maybe it. it's it's the coach in me, bro. I would have if my player if I ever coach a team and a player does that, they're gonna go home. Like I don't even care. They're not gonna play again. I uh, hey man, he had character issues when he was at UF. I mean, come on, Brandon needed a computer for this podcast, and he said, "You know what, Dad? Can I have a computer?" Cam needed a computer, and he steals ten of them. <laughs> Steals 10 of them. <laughs> yeah, and the one I got from 2011, it was probably one that Cam stole originally. That's why it doesn't work now. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I've never liked him from the time that he was about to be drafted. One of my coworkers at the stadium was on a flight from where did he go to school? Florida to Buffalo, right? Auburn. He, or Auburn. he went from, he was at Florida and he got expelled and then he went to, well, and then they, Auburn paid his dad to have him play. <laughs> well, either way, he was coming up for a visit to Buffalo for the draft visit. Cause we picked third that year when we got Darius. And uh, one of my coworkers said that Cam Newton was the biggest d- in the whole airplane. He was mean to the stewardess. He was mean to the people walking through the aisle that he was just rude from the beginning. And I was like, you know, it doesn't, you know, he's got this big smile on his face that he just, and then he says that comment about the woman reporter, not knowing anything about the game of football. And I'm just like, dude, you are a clown and a half. I don't have any tolerance for that at all. And the fact that he's still in the league or he was in the league and people were trying to give him another chance for something that he did seven years ago blows my mind. But then you look at Josh Gordon, who has not had a good season in nine years now. And he's back. Oh, in the league, no, that's not true, man. That's I'm just not saying true. the way that the he had league a good, works last time is crazy. The Patriots, last time the Patriots won the Super Bowl, dude, he had like 900 yards receiving and then failed the drug test right before the playoffs. But so was that 2016? I think 2016. Okay. Let me take a look. Uh, the NFL is just such a wild place that somebody like these two guys can get recycled and recycled. I mean, then we can get into the whole Kaepernick thing. But yeah, you know, but you have got, the I, whole. You Josh put, Gordon's not a bad guy. He's just like got some serious no, like addiction I, issues. Oh, 2018, dude. That was okay. that was the Falcons year. Okay, it was pretty recent. Do you think Josh Gordon's gonna be? Yeah, you think he's gonna be a difference maker on the Chiefs? If he were to be on any other team, the Chiefs would be the team to do it. I just think that's a shot at Mikel Harbin, too. I mean, he's their number two receiver. And if it's just Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, who's the number two receiver? No, it's too. And I think Pringle's been playing a lot better than Hardman. And Hardman did. I mean, he's good. He killed us in the AFC championship game, but he also did muff that punt. So 
who knows? I want to see Josh Gordon do well though. And now that they can't test for weed in the NFL and the new CBA, I, I don't see any reason why he can't play another six years. Yeah, let's let's get back to Bill's stuff because let's kind of break down some what uh what some of the players on the Bills did this week and who stood out. Do you guys want to start with like Emmanuel Sanders? Because I think that he he had a great game. You know, it's like it seems like some of the passes that he and Josh weren't connecting on in the first you know two weeks, they definitely did. Like, I think the highlight even more so than, I mean, there's three great amazing throws. You've got the throw in the back of the end zone. This, that was the second touchdown. You know, the first touchdown, um, which, you know, was a diving catch, great throw. And actually, my that favorite Dawson one... Knox catch, dude, was... Yeah, that was, yeah, that nice. was awesome. My favorite um, Emmanuel Sanders catch was the one over the top where Josh just laid it in the perfect place with a perfect amount of touch, and Emmanuel Sanders laid out for it. Yeah, man, that was, that Pulled was it in with beauty. his fingertips, too, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, not every receiver makes that catch, you know, and uh, maybe even Emmanuel Sanders doesn't make it 100% of the time, but it was that was that was fun to watch. Just having the presence of mind, they talked about it a little bit after the game with Josh and being with the same receivers for a few years now, but that improv skill to know your quarterback's rolling right, how am I going to get open? So he just takes that cut straight to the corner of the end zone where he knows he can beat his guy. You know, John Brown was good. Uh, where you could you could beat him long, but for me that's just the constant comparison for Sanders, and I feel bad, but I loved John Brown, but he couldn't stay on the field, and Sanders is playing nicked up, wasn't he hurt early on, and it seemed like it could be something that would be botherful for a longer period of time, but even then, even if he's not a hundred percent, he's been coming out and balling out. Yeah, man, I got a lot of respect for him and Beasley for being little guys and taking hits. And holding on to the ball, dude. Like, I mean, I even saw Emmanuel Sanders make a block, dude. Like, I mean, I got I got a lot of respect for the guy. And you know who else I had a lot of respect for in this game? He made a great block on two third downs, even though he only caught six passes. Diggs was, you know, I, I felt like he really, you know, his greatness allowed everyone else to kind of have a seat at the table, proverbially. Um, and I, I also, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to have to pull a Nick Wright right here and say, you know, an apology, but like Dawson Knox, I did not think he would make these strides, man. Like he was even, he was blocking good for like as, as, you know, poorly as I described him in the week prior. Like, I mean, I, I owe him an apology. For, for the weapons that the Bills have, I don't think they'll ever feature a tight end as an offensive focal point, but those five or six targets that he's going to get per game, he is going to go and make superstar plays because he, he's got the, ceiling of somebody like that if you can catch the ball that that turn that he made on the end zone catch that he had was just amazing play i what a catch right that's contorting your body to keep your feet in bounds and uh we've seen it consistently now what is his stat line from the last eight games it's like eight touchdowns four percent drop rate he's been on fire and if the defense is going to give it to us then let him develop in front of our eyes like that i'm cool with it yeah yeah, he's fun to watch, and I think that even if he's not a focal point of the offense, he definitely adds. You know, having somebody there who's an effective blocker and pass catcher gives you a lot more flexibility when you're in eleven personnel, which is one running back and one tight end. You know, if they're going if they're going five wide, you know, five wide is not a run threat formation. You know, if you're going empty, whereas they're doing eleven personnel, usually they're doing shotgun with one tight end and one running back in the backfield. And I love when they line up those plays where 
Dawson Knox lines up on the line of scrimmage and then motions into a fullback position and then is like a lead blocker. And to have that skill paired with, you know, his pass catching ability, I think is really awesome to have. So it's like, you know, it just gives you more flexibility and, and puts a little bit more on the defense because the defense is forced to pick its personnel not knowing whether it's going to be an obvious pass situation or an obvious run situation. You know, five wide with no nobody in the backfield with Josh is an obvious pass situation. It's really easy to stick an extra DB out there rather than a linebacker. Whereas if you got Dawson Knox out on there, you got to make a decision. Okay, is this a run situation? Am I going to put a linebacker out there or, or you know, a defensive back to counter, essentially? So. And the other thing about that is they kind of talked about it, uh, Johnson, at the, after the game, about his role because he plays he he's so close with Milano and Hyde and Poyer because he's the hybrid between the two of them. Right. And he said that on his post game, being able to have somebody like a Milano to learn linebacker from and being able to have somebody like a Hyde to play line, to play safety from has helped him so much to learn the defensive system. And I think that type of hybrid role is so rare in the NFL and having Josh with feet, because like you said, you could easily throw a DB out there, but is a 5-1 DB going to catch and make the tackle on 6-5 Josh? Because we've seen him truck through him before. And it is a passing look, but Josh can run. We know it every single time. If you're in a man coverage with five wide out and you don't have a spy and you leave the middle of the field open, Josh is going to take it every time for a first down. Uh, and we're just, it's a nightmare. Knox has the size that we don't have in our receiving cores either. So that's... You see him score all these red zone touchdowns. You know, Diggs is getting looks. Sanders are getting these deep looks. Cole gets the, the short looks. But it's good to have somebody to go get a ball when you need a fade in the end zone. Yeah, and good to have a defensive back that makes tackles on big players. I mean, even he laid the hammer on, uh, what's his name, Logan Thomas. I mean, I was even, uh, like, Jaquan Johnson came in for him for a second at the end of the game, and he laid the hammer down right on, on, on Antonio Gibson. Right around the 3-4 yard line. Minus that fluky screenplay, I think we're seeing what a McDermott defense he totally looks like. His vision is here. He's He's got the personnel. So much has been invested on the defensive side of the ball. Draft picks, free agent money. He has it to where he wants it right now. That's going to be evident the rest of the year. Yeah, and I think that their depth is really what's going to keep them competitive no matter what. And it's, you know, they've very, they've done a very good job of hedging their bets on the defensive side lately. I mean, we, we talk about it on the defensive line because that rotation happens every single game. But like you said, uh, Brando, it was awesome to see Jaquan Johnson come in, you know, and, or maybe Pat, you said that, I'm sorry. Um, but just like, didn't even see, you know, a lot of these teams in the NFL, you know, you got their bucks who, you know, they lose a DB and the next guy who comes in gets victimized for the rest of the game. You know, with the Bills, they they have such a complete and well-installed defense with, with enough depth and the right personnel that, you know, they're not losing a step as much, you know, barring a Trey White injury or something like that. I mean, there are people like Matt Milano and Trey White where there's going to be an obvious drop-off, but still, it's not like they're totally sunk. You know, it's it's great team defense. It's, it's fun to watch and also doesn't hurt that they're my defense uh, in our fantasy league. So 
Yeah. <laughs> he probably he probably had a big week, man. What three total it was turnovers? A good week. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, I uh, Chase had um, the Saints defense, which was playing the Patriots, and you know macaroni macaroni th- throw it away, Jones. So anyway, do you guys want to work in a Sabers update? It's time for the weekly Sabers update. All right, so yeah, preseason starts tonight. Nobody's excited. Brando, you got anything? Well, from what I hear, it's the Sabres versus Columbus Blue Jackets, the two worst teams ever just on a preseason game. I believe it's not even on TV. It's on radio only. Uh, so we are just getting prepared to suck this year and, uh, they need the preseason for it, man. You know, we're not resting our starters in the preseason because, uh, we suck. So, <laughs> well, those guys, the Amherst dudes are just constantly in like a tour bus, like, Oh, we're going to Buffalo. Oh, wait, no, no, you're coming back. Like I would be, my mind would be shot. This has been your weekly Sabres update. Now, how do you feel about this uh, this uh, uncaptaining of Captain Jack? It's like, you ever see those stickers on the back of cars where it's like four family members, like stick figures? It's like they pretty much peeled one off, you know? <laughs> like... All right, Patty, you want to you wanna get us into a little drought salute? Yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a little bit of trivia for you. You know, there's only been one wide receiver in Buffalo Bills history to have three consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons. It's not Andre Reed. It's not James Lofton. It's not the immortal Eric Moulds. It's a uh, seventh router out of Kentucky, Mr. Stevie Johnson. This guy, from 2010 to 2012, had three years of absolute dominance. Um, 2010, you know, he had 1,073 receiving yards, 10 TDs, um, had 1,004 receiving yards, 7 TDs in 2011, and in 2012, He had 1,046 receiving yards and six TDs. During that span, he never averaged less than 13 yards per reception. Absolute beast. And if I may say one more thing, other than you being edged in Buffalo Bills history, Mr. Stevie Johnson, I I respect your your love for the community and your, your willingness to come back on cheesy Pepsi commercials, man. Three years of greatness that's never been replicated by a Buffalo Bills wide receiver. Thank you for your time, boss. One of the greatest draft steals of all time. When I was a youngster and you still had the rainbow dreads, I sent you a message on Facebook and said, Stevie, you had a great game. You didn't have to do anything. You could have been like, who's this little chubby kid in his profile picture? You know, looks like his mom took his photo right after he's playing outside for two hours, all sunburnt. But no, no, Stevie, you said, thanks, little dude. I still remember it. So I'm saying thanks to you, big guy. Pat, that was my favorite. Bravo. That was my favorite one so far. That was excellent, sir. Uh, Stevie Johnson is a legend. Now it's Brandon that's giving me all the edits. I'm excited. You got me juiced up for Stevie Johnson. (laughs) He he did, and he responded to one of my comments once when I was a little kid. Like, summer of seventh growing into eighth grade, it would have been like fall of eighth grade. He was like, thanks, little dude. I never forget it, man. You know, he didn't have to do that. And yeah. Did he have Fitz as his quarterback the whole time that he was here? Uh, So he started out with Edwards. Trent Edwards. And I remember watching a game where Trent Edwards got benched and JP Lossman threw a touchdown. Yeah. Stevie Johnson. It was a Broncos game, if I recall. But um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, he's caught passes for a lot of different quarterbacks. Um, well, he could run a good route. And uh, if there's anything about the Buffalo Bills drought quarterbacks is they needed a receiver that could get open. He could shimmy anybody. Anybody. He was he was one of the, the first receivers to do that little shimmy move. I mean, not the fastest guy, not the biggest guy. I mean, dude, this guy ran a 40 in 4.59. He basically ran a 4.640. And you know what? You never would have known. <laughs> Just elite player when it came to playing on the field, having those intangibles. And like, I mean, other than that Pittsburgh game, I will never forget. will never forget when you dropped that bomb that would have won us the game. Other than that, Stevie, only good memories, man. You know, that Pittsburgh team was good. Oh, they were so good too, man. That was the, that was the hardest part. I think, what was it? 2011 Pittsburgh Steelers, I think won the Super Bowl too. It's like, (laughs) I believe that it was 2011. And I think that was also at the time we were not out of it yet. No, no. So the win would have been very important. Not as bad as the 2004 Steelers game though. Yeah. They sat their starters and we missed the playoffs after a seven game win streak. Watch that game at Splash Lagoon. In the restaurant, my dad was telling me that we had an easy win with Bledsoe at quarterback. <clears throat> we were both rocking our Bledsoe jerseys from Walmart, and they uh, they lost with the backups out on the field, and it was depressing. And I was nine. Yeah. Well, anyway, on that exciting note, you guys want to <laughs> you guys want to look forward to this next week and uh, what we expect out of the Texans, uh, Pat? Who are you? Uh, who are you watching this game? Who do you think is going to have a big game? So believe it or not, the Texans actually have a leader in receptions this year. Did you know that? Brandon Cooks, right? Brandon Cooks, that is correct. I uh, I will be excited to see, you know, regardless of who's throwing him the rock, it's kind of like Allen Robinson. You know, he's going to make a play regardless who's throwing him the rock. And, I mean, you know, David Johnson's kind of had a, a bounce back year and... If nothing else, I'd like to see Shaq Barrett. Or no, I'm sorry, not Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett's too good to be on the Texans. <laughs> <laughs> Shaq lost and just get absolutely destroyed. Um, you know, I I just have no idea why the Dolphins would have just banished him to a situation like that. I I mean, I feel bad for the guy, but also kind of want to see him get rocked. My my best memory of Shaq Lawson is on Thanksgiving, uh, him and Jordan Phillips making fun of Zeke. Yeah, dude. My favorite Shaq Lawson memory is when he punched Leonard Fournette in the face. That's what I was going to say, too. That was a great game. I was at that game. There was a lot of fights in that Dude, game. were we at that? Were, is that the game where I that got Paul Lesney so mad he turned around? No, that was a different game. That was a different game, but I remember that game, too. Yeah. And uh, that was... Uh, they that was the game where Josh right threw the bomb. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Good times. Good times. Brando, uh, who are you looking out for this game? Like, who do you think is going to have a big game either side? We haven't seen a true blow up from Steph Diggs yet over a hundred yards. Uh, he's played well. The, the wealth has been spread on our offense. I expect Matt Milano to continue his all pro season um, against this offense. And like you said, cooks gets paid either way. So no matter who's throwing him the ball, you see a guy like McLaurin still get yards last week. Trey missed a tackle and he goes off for 30. So did McLaurin finish with like 65 yards. Uh, so we kept him bottled up pretty much, but he still had a couple catches. I mean, Cooks could get open on a deep pass if, or, or he could break a screen. We saw that last week too. 
But I'm looking for our defense to really smother this bad team. You know, any given Sunday is not going to be this given Sunday because our defense is going to come out and stomp these Texans. And I just, I, I'm looking forward to seeing defensive dominance. Yeah, yeah I'm all for it. As you know, as I've already stated, fantasy defense. So yes. I, I love it even more. I would like to see a reemergence of the ghost, though, of Mark Ingram. They literally have channeled his spirit essence to play running back for this game. Um, so that'll be interesting. I mean, dude did start in front of Derrick Henry, so <laughs> nearly, if not more than 10 years ago, but <laughs> a long time ago. I guess there's just not too many star players to go over on the Texans, you know. Yeah. But so do you think uh, the running game goes off more or the passing game goes off more? Um, based on what I expect the score to be, I would think that they would pass a lot, but it might be so far skewed one way that they're just going to run it a lot at the end. So I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. Games with this, games with the spread this big are kind of hard to peg because you don't know what's going to happen in garbage time. So I believe I saw when the Bills are 10 point or more favored. They only cover their three and seven covering their spread. Do you know spread. what the spread is on this game, Brandon? 17. 17. Last time the spread was 17 points, we almost lost the game. Fitzy came down here, and uh, Trey White went and picked that ball off, and his helmet came off. All right. Well, I guess uh, I'll see you guys on Thursday night to tape the podcast. Uh, if you're listening, leave us a review, if you so please. If, if you like the podcast, follow us on Twitter at NotBillsPodcast. Heckle us on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, we do have a YouTube channel with all the all the episodes posted as well. So sweet. Well, we'll see you guys here on uh Friday then. All right. Much love, boys. I'll see you guys soon. Mr. Cole Beasley, please get your vaccine. There are not microchips inside of it.